Hey, good morning, everybody. This is Joe Renoro, and welcome back to the Rat Race Liberation Podcast. This one shouldn't take up too much of your time today. Um, I'm thinking it's going to be a shorter episode here, but I guess we're going to see how uh, how it goes once we get into it. Um, so I like to give you guys different perspective from different mentors and, and different individuals who have, uh, well, different successful individuals who have been there and, and done things that I'm trying to do. And, uh, and I'm very aware of the fact that because I've latched on to a specific mentor or, um, or role model or a successful individual, that uh, their, their mission, their, their words, their, um, their persona might not match for you the same way it does for me. And yes, I understand that that's probably really annoying then, uh, especially if you don't care for Robert Kiyosaki or Russell Brunson in particular, and you got to listen to me, you know, uh, out of, uh, 178 episodes mentioned them in 177. So <laughs> I, uh, I get that. Um, but what I'm trying to do here is bring credibility to these already very credible individuals here and, or, um, give you guys a different spin on specific situations and topics and ideas. And, uh, and at least if not add credibility to already very credible people who don't need me supporting them, quite frankly, um, just to give you an understanding that it's not just them and I'm not just caught up in the aura of these several individuals. Um, I find it very informative and extremely, extremely eye-opening slash um, exciting and, and very telling to find multiple, multiple, multiple extremely successful individuals all parroting the same information. Um, and not that every single one of them says all of the same things as every other one, and, uh, and not that they say it in the same way, but you do find a lot of underlying similarities between the way that these successful individuals conduct themselves or the uh, core concepts that they believe in. Now, they might have different beliefs along with those, but you'll find a lot of similarities in a lot of specific cases here. And this one's no different, and I think it pairs well with Russell Brunson's teachings, but that's why I want to quickly go into it. Um, there's a portion of the four-hour work week where Tim Ferriss is talking about pricing your new products for the market. And uh, if you have a physical product or, a, or an informational product, this is really more of what he's discussing here, an actual product that customers can purchase from you. And I guess even coaching and all of that could go into it as well. That's probably under informational. So this really, if you are putting out a new product or, um, or a product in general, you know, private labeling, all of that stuff, that's what he's really talking about here. But he, um, he discusses a specific price range for price based on what he's found in his own uh, dealings between the companies that he's managed and the products he's brought to market as being the most bang for your buck, basically, with the least hassle behind it from a customer standpoint. Basically saying, you know, this is about as high as he feels you can price a product um, or that you should have a product that gets brought to market at that selling price where you have to deal with the least amount of customer service calls, complaints, issues, uh, questions behind it. Um, and so it's basically your ability to make as much money as possible while doing as little work as possible from that aspect of things. And, uh, and not that that's a bad thing. I mean, Tim Ferriss's book is of course called the four hour work week. It's how to maximize your earnings for the least amount of input 
week to week as far as your time's concerned. So, you know, know what you are going to get from the from the authors you're looking for. If you if you like to work sixty hours a week, um, I, I mean, great, you can maximize more stuff for it. But uh, you know, that's that's what his whole mantra is here for it. So, uh, and this fits in well with uh, with that mantra, but. Uh, the actual portion of it that I wanted to talk about quickly is his um, comments on pricing high and then justifying. And he says, price high and justify, right? Um, so new product when you're going to market, price it high and justify it. And this is not the first time I've come across this. And I, like I said in a second, we'll tie into Russell Brunson as well. But um, I, I've actually had a lot of um, experience with this over the past five plus years with my current CEO. Um, we do develop product and we bring it to market. And he's got a system in place that, that helps to set MSRP for these new products that come to market. And it's done so in a specific way that leaves room to then sell to uh, dealers, distributors. You know, you get that specific discount tier to give them their margins and still sell to their customers. And then also for us to um, sell retail as well, direct to customers. So it's it's a beautiful pricing structure, and um, and I I obviously I didn't know anything about I shouldn't say obviously, but I, I didn't know anything about this when I got into this business. Um, this is the the first major business that I've ever worked up the chain through, and uh, and done everything from you know warehousing and and manufacturing all the way up to management and now um, budgets and, and all of that stuff, and to the point where you all know now that I'm uh, managing and running these brands. But, um, you know, way back in 20, I think 16, when I was first starting over here, I, I had no idea about pricing and, and price structuring for developing and bringing new products to market here. But um, what I've seen over the years is that his really simple and elegant system, and it's not his, but we utilize it, um, for this pricing structure is that a lot of other smaller businesses that we deal with because um, the one of the automotive companies that I manage, uh, excuse me, one of the automotive brands that I, I oversee, we do a lot with, um, with local manufacturers because the parts that we develop and produce are done in small quantity batches. Um, our, our industry isn't large enough yet to do thousands or tens of thousands of part manufacturers, uh, excuse me, manufacturing of specific parts at a time. So we have to do smaller batches, which usually means uh, smaller, more local uh, manufacturers who don't mind the smaller runs um, and probably who couldn't handle the larger runs anyway. And so we deal with a lot of these small businesses and I see that when they do their pricing structure and their development for certain products and services and stuff like that. Um, they make the mistake a lot of times of undercutting the market in pricing and leaving very little room to account for things like uh, if a major retailer wanted to come in or a distributor or something like that and pick up their line, um, but you know would need specific margins to do so. Um, They've already priced themselves out of the ability to do that and, and to sell in that type of market because of the um, the little room that they left themselves for uh, MSRP versus what it costs to make the product, right? And uh, and bear with me here because I'm 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 getting to the point here for this, but um but so what I've learned over the years is it's almost better, it's almost certainly better to 
to position yourself as the premier product in an industry as opposed to the most cost-effective one in the industry. And there's, there's a general rule that if you're either the cheapest or you're the most expensive or you die if you're the other 80, 90% in the middle of that. You know, the, think about it in your own shopping experience. Like if there's 10 products that all kind of do similar things, at least they, they solve the, the core issue that you're reaching out for, you've got one that's the most cost effective. You've got the premier one that has everybody looking at it and wondering why it's the premier one. So maybe it's got more bells and whistles. I don't know, but chances are you'll look at it anyway. And then you're probably going to ignore all the other products that fall into the middle of that. And this is not me. This is not my CEO. This is um, this is pricing strategy from, I, I, it's been around for years, but uh, the, the products in the middle tend to die. The most cost-effective one, your issue with that is, uh, even as Tim Ferriss says in the book, there's always going to be another idiot that comes around and doesn't mind price wars with you and price gouging to the point where they're not making any money, you're not making any money now, and the product dies and you got to go on to create a new product. So in his mind, and I would agree because I've been in this for several years now and it's been our model as well, we're the premier product line. It leaves you the maximum amount of room for profits so that you can then discount and set up pricing tiers to things like distributors and dealers and, and give them their margins, wholesalers, and, uh, and still have room to make a profit. And then especially if you're selling to retail customers or excuse me, selling direct to customers, um, there's a very large profit margin there. And the other benefit to this is if you have a premier product with higher margins, you have to service less customers to make the same amount of money you would if you had the uh, most cost-efficient model on the market where you have to service more customers, which means the potential for more issues, the potential for more uh, back-and-forth communication, more resources being used, all of that stuff. So um, there, there's a balance between trying to find the maximum amount of profit margins, but still being able to service clientele correctly. And this is where the water gets a little muddy because, um, again, Tim Ferriss's idea and his whole uh, goal in this book is to help you maximize profits and minimize efforts, right? And so I say that this concept and idea feeds in kind of well with with uh, Russell Brunson, but it needs a little bit of a tweak because Russell Brunson's whole mantra is he's going to work his face off for you and his clients and give the maximum amount of effort um, so that they feel like they're getting the biggest bang for their buck. And I think there's a really interesting way to blend these two together here, which is you've got Tim Ferriss talking about pricing high and justifying. And Russell Brunson is always talking about whatever price you set for it, you need to be able to um, it, it's an, it's a much easier sell to your clients and to the customers you're looking to service if you can show them that the price that you set for it actually has 10 times more value behind it. So if you set an, uh, a price point of $10, you have to show that there's $100 worth of value there to get the maximum amount of people to see it and, and agree to it and say yes to it, right? So I think if you marry these two ideas and concepts together, you've really got yourself a, a really, really nice winning combination. Um, and 
for the brands that I've been curating and dealing with, and and now the automotive again, um, we've done a good job of developing really solid, worthwhile quality products. We've done a good job of positioning ourselves as a premier manufacturer of those products in the, the market space that we're in. What we haven't ever done a great job of is showing the value behind it of how um, we're priced where we're at, but the value is 10 times more than that. And I think the blending of Tim Ferriss's price high and justify and then using Russell Brunson's version of justification for why the price point is set where it's at is a fucking winning combination that I'm going to start utilizing in my um, in my business, my my personal business, but uh, but also the brands that I'm curating as well here. And uh, and I hope Russell's okay with me uh, stealing his curation thing here. But um, I, I really love the way that sounds. So, uh, so price high because you want to position yourself as the premier product and then justify that with 10 times more value behind it. So how do you, and, and it's not bullshit either. You got to be very careful about this because you will lose the, um, the respect and the uh, trust of your customers and clientele if they feel like you're bullshitting them. That's not what I'm telling you to do. I'm telling you to figure out a way so that you can price it high enough that you're the premier product, but also put enough stuff in there that makes you the premier product in such a way that you're also giving so much value for your price that customers would feel stupid not to take it from you. So even if you are the most expensive in the market, right? So if you price a $1,000 ticket item where most people are 800 in that market or you know, hopefully you've done a great job of digging out a new niche and creating a new product, but you set it at a high MSRP in a correct and honest manner and uh, we're not going into that in this episode so you you'll have to figure that one out or you know maybe later on I can do a deep dive on something like that but you set the MSRP let's call it $1000 and then you need to figure out a way so that the actual value of that product is $10,000 but if you have it at 1000 and the value is 10000 you know it, customers would be crazy not to take it right if uh, a brand new ferrari i i i'm not a big car guy so which is ironic considering that i uh i um i run an automotive brand but i don't know what a new ferrari costs so say it's $400,000 i'm not really sure let's call it 400k and somebody offers it to you for $50,000 are you going to take it or i guess we could stay with the the 10x thing so if somebody says uh, I got a brand new Ferrari. It's forty thousand dollars, and uh, and the value is four hundred thousand dollars. You'd find a way to get those forty thousand dollars together to buy it, right? Because you could turn around and sell it. Uh, I mean, whatever the case is in that specific instance, or you just like the car and you're getting an insane deal on it. So that's that's the way you need to approach this when you're developing your products and putting them to market as well. And I love the blending of these two ideas because, yes, I do want to be as efficient as possible so that I can maximize profits and then help more customers. But that's, but that's really the big thing on the other side of it. I want to do it from the ethical and, and work standpoint that Russell puts in every day. I want to service clientele to the best of my ability. I just want it to be the clientele that I want to service, right? So if I can set my prices to a point where I don't have to sell 
or excuse me, I could sell a hundred units and it's the same thing as if I had sold a thousand units at a lower price, right? So less work there, but I can service better quality clients and I can give them a better overall experience because I, again, I can give them a more personalized experience and still bring in the same amount of profits that I would be if I had gone to a lower cost model trying to service more people. Um, so price high and then justify with Russell's version of 10xing the value on it. And, uh, and I can't see that not being a winning combination. And, and again, as everything else I'm telling you guys here, um, I'll, I'll let you know how it goes as I start developing and releasing these products. Uh, but I have a feeling it's going to be a home run this way, blending these two together. So, um, that's what I got for you today. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Love the hell out of you guys. I hope you're out there kicking some ass yourself, and I'll check in with you tomorrow.